This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Today we're going to be discussing the theme, Faith is the Victory. If you have your Bibles handy, turn to 1 John chapter 5, and I'd like to read for you verse number 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It really goes without saying that we're living in some unusual times. We're living in days where you have terrorism in the streets of America. We're living in a day of this COVID-19 pandemic. And that's completely changed the way we live. And it's likely to change the way we live for some time yet to come. Our prayer is that it will not be that way. But, but I, I'm thinking in a time like this, we need to examine our faith. And we need to look at the subject of faith. It's so important in our lives. It's without faith in an individual, it's impossible for us to be pleasing to God. That's what Hebrews 11 and verse 6 tells us. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And, and here is the reason that our faith is so important. We're today involved in a battle. Not with each other. But we're in a battle today with the evil forces of Satan and all of his cohorts. And the, the conquering weapon is our faith. First John 5 and 4 it mentions that. He said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We overcome Satan by having strong faith. We need faith like Abraham had. In Romans chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, it said, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, for he was persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Faith is so important. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing in the reality of those things that cannot be seen with the human eye. And I believe in God, though I've never seen God. I see evidence of Him around me. I've, I believe in Jesus, though I've never seen Jesus. I, I believe in the, the spirit world. I believe in, in heaven. And I even believe that there's a hell. But I've never seen those things. Those are matters of faith. And to the person of faith, the unseen is not unreal, it is merely unseen. And faith in that which cannot be seen is based on certain evidence or testimony. And the testimony for our faith is the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. And that's the reason John said faith is the victory. 
that overcomes. That word overcome suggests that this is the weapon you use to disarm your enemy. We can disarm the devil today with our faith. Faith is the victory. But faith is the victory over such things as infidelity, atheism, even doubt. Paul was on a ship bound for Rome and he had asked to go to Rome to, for, to give it a defense because he was a Roman citizen. And Paul is on a ship and there's a storm and the sailors are scared. And Paul had been told, don't worry Paul, you're going to Rome. There's not going to be any loss of life on this boat. And he said, sirs, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. You know, that's the attitude we ought to have about anything God says. I believe God. And that's where God operates within the parameters of his established law, his established will to bless and to benefit his children. I think one of the passages that we always go to when we think about the providence of God, and there are literally hundreds of them in the Bible where his providence is taught or even suggested, but most time we'll go to Romans 8.28. Well, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are the called according to his purpose. I want you to think about that verse for just a moment. Paul says, we know. You see, God's providence is assured. Paul did not say, this is what I think, or perhaps this is the way it is. He says, we know, we know that all things, God's providence is all-inclusive. Now, Paul is not suggesting now that things that we do that are sinful in nature are included in the all things of Romans 8.28. He says all things, they work together. That suggests that the providence of God is harmonious in its working. All things work together. I have never attempted to bake a cake. I don't think I will ever try that because I would not want anyone to try to eat it. But I understand the principle of how to bake a cake. You get all of your ingredients out in your kitchen, put them on the cabinet there, and, you, and there are the eggs and the flour, whatever you might use to... To bake it from, they call it baking it from scratch. You have all of those ingredients out there on, the, on your counter. But there's no cake there until you take those, put them in a bowl, mix them all together. And then you bake it and it comes out a very beautiful and a delicious cake to eat. The things that happen in our life are the ingredients. And God takes those ingredients and they work together in our lives for our good and for our benefit. Perhaps one of the saddest days of my life when I was a, just a young lad of a boy, a teenager, was a day that our dad came home and he says, I've lost my job. Uh, the place where he was working decided they would move to another state. I recall they moved to North Carolina and dad lost his job. He had it for over 20 years. And it wasn't long after that that we decided to move from Tennessee to the great state of Alabama, to Mobile, Alabama, as a matter of fact. And 
I thought that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Here I was leaving all of my friends behind. Here I was leaving our family behind because all of our family lived in Tennessee, aunts and uncles and cousins and the like. And I thought I was ruined. But it was after we moved to Mobile, Alabama, and that I started attending what was then called Alabama Christian College, now Faulkner University, that I met my wife. It was after we moved to Mobile, Alabama, that I became acquainted with a gospel preacher by the name of V.P. Black. And that man encouraged me to be a preacher of the gospel. Now, I'm telling you that to tell you this, that all of those things happened in my life for good. I thought I was ruined. But God took all of those things and they worked together for my benefit. And I'm preaching right now to you that are polishing the pulpit and watching this because our family, my dad lost his job a number of years ago and our family had to move to Mobile, Alabama. Let us have faith in God's providence today. Trust God with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. We, we need to have more faith, I believe, with all my heart that we need to have more faith in God's promises. You know, Peter described God's promises as exceeding great and precious promises. They are great promises. They, they are great. They're ex precious promises. But he says they're exceeding great and precious promises. We sing a song that's entitled Standing on the Promises. And today, if we want to survive during such tragedies and such uh, uh, situations as COVID-19, and when you have people that are out like terrorists in the streets of America, good people, we've got to stand on the promises of God. And I trust God more than I trust any politician that exists on the face of this earth. I trust God more than I do any other individual in all of the world. I trust God. And I'm going to stand on His promises. 1 Kings 8.56 says, There's not failed one word of all of His great promise. God is a promise-keeping God. You know the worth of a promise is no better than the integrity of the person that makes the promise. I've known of people who would promise you something and I knew right then in all probability they weren't going to keep that promise. If everyone who promised me after I talked to them for a few minutes that they were going to be in worship on the Lord's Day had shown up, we would have had to have gotten chairs out of the fellowship hall and brought them into the auditorium to seat them all. People will promise you almost anything Think about politicians and all the promises that they make. Do they keep their promises? Some do. Some do. But a great many do not. They just tell you something. And their integrity is not what it ought to be because they're not promise keepers. But God is a promise-making God and a promise-keeping God. There's not fail one word of all of his great promise. 
In Titus chapter 1 and 2, the Bible says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised, promised before the world began. Let's lean on the promises of God. Let's, let's rely on His promises. And here's one of the great promises that I, I want us to all lean on. I want you to think about this promise. I will never leave you. How long is never? Well, somebody says that's a long time. Never. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's your promise. That's my promise. That's all people's promise when they start trusting and obeying God. Let's have faith in that promise. We need to have a lot more faith today, I believe, in, in the ability of God. And, and, and God is able to do so many things. He's a powerful God. Think about Paul's statement in 2 Timothy 1.12. I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God is able. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. So we need to have faith in God. And in these times where we are living right now, this is a time to put our disbelief aside. It's a time to put our doubts away. It's a time to, to lean on the everlasting arms of God. And trust in Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct your paths. But what will faith do for us otherwise? Let me suggest that faith is the victory that overcomes things like anxiety, frustration, even worry. I'm afraid Martha has a lot of brothers and sisters today who are careful and troubled about many things. That, that is, we worry so much. I, I don't know of anything people don't worry about. We worry about everything. The late Jack Exum used to say that we worry about baldness and bifocals and bulges and bunions. And I think that's just about the truth. We worry about everything there is to worry about. One woman who was a very successful businesswoman said, if anything else happens to me, it's going to be two weeks before I can worry about it. Folks, that's having too many worries, isn't it? We, we need to have more faith in God than that. Well, we, worry about, we worry about little bitty things that really don't matter. It is said that Alexander the Great sat down and wept because he couldn't get a certain kind of ivy to grow in Babylon. What difference did it make? But he worried about it anyway. Think about some of the things you worry about that really don't matter. We, we worry so much. I, when I was my first place that I was in local work, Evergreen, Alabama, I would get up in the mornings and go down to the post office to, to check the mailbox and get the mail for the and bring it back to the church building. And, and uh, there was a family that were Christians and members of the church there that 
ran a furniture store right adjacent to the post office. So sometimes I'd go in there and visit. I remember one time, this was back in the 1960s when we were in Vietnam, and the, the, the good sister said to me, Billy, I don't worry about everything. You see, at that time she had a son who was flying missions over Vietnam. And she had reason to have great concern for the safety and welfare of her child. And she said, but I worry about everything. And I thought about a record that I had. that It was a sermon of Jack Exum on worry. And I said, well, Evelyn, the next time I come to town, I'm going to bring you a record. And it's a sermon that a preacher has preached about worry. She said, well, you know, I could, I could put that on and I could let it play while I'm cleaning the house and, or washing the dishes. I said, absolutely. And so the next time I went to town, I took her the record, and I handed it to her, and I said, here's the record I was talking about, Evelyn. And she said, let me pay you for it. I, I said, no, no. I said, I'm, I'm just giving it to you. Well, that wasn't enough for her. You see, she worried about everything. She says, no, I insist. I insist. Let me pay you for it. I said, no, Evelyn. She says, no, Billy, I insist that you let me pay you for it. I said, Evelyn. Don't worry about it. You see, we worry about everything. We, we worry about things that have already happened. As a matter of fact, I, I think a lot of the, most of the things we worry about are things that have happened in the past. Paul said this is what Paul thought about the past. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not going to live in the past because the past is gone. Someone has said that you cannot saw sawdust. Now that may sound a little corny, but you think about it. There's no way that you can take, go to the past and undo it and, and, and remake it. It's gone. I've learned as a gospel preacher that when uh, young couples were fussing and sometimes older folk, folk as well, they usually do it late at night. I know some of preachers may be watching this, and you may not have had this experience, but I rather suspect that you have, that people get into it late at night. One night, I was already in the bed, and the, t the doorbell rang, and I went to the door. There stood a young man, and it was 11 o'clock. I shall never forget it. And he told me that his wife had gone home to Mama. I said, when you go to Mama's house, I'll be down there just as soon as I get dressed. And I listened to them, and he would talk, she would talk. It was a back-and-forth thing. And they were arguing about things that had happened in the past. So about 2 o'clock in the morning, I said, Okay, if there's something in your past you need to get right with God, do that. Get it right with God. But I said, We're going to dig a hole right here in Mama's floor, and we're going to take your past, and we're going to put it in that hole. And I said, I want you to help me trample it down real good. And you say, well, that sounded silly, but they were looking in the floor like there was a hole in the floor. I did too. And then I said, we've buried your past now. Don't you ever dig it up again. But if you ever dig it up again, don't call me. I'm, I'm happy to report they have grandchildren. Maybe they even have some great-grands on the way. I don't know but they stayed together. You see, we get all tight about what's happened in the past and worry about it. 
We, we worry about things that, that we cannot change. You can't change your height. Now you can get shoes with, with thicker soles and all of that, but, but in reality, you can't change your height. You, you can't change the fact that one day that we're going to die because that's an appointment, Hebrews 9, 27. Are you holding a mental picture of something you don't want to happen and you're worrying about it? What are we going to do about this thing called worry? What are we going to do? I want to read to you from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing. Or, in other words, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. So be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, Listen to that word now, prayer, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. So what did he say? Don't worry about anything. The late Franklin Kemp used to put it like this, worry about no thing, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about it. And haven't you learned that when you pray about it, that the thing you've been concerned about, maybe even worrying about, wasn't as bad as you thought? And so, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, verse 7, here's the blessing. Now, after we pray, we're all uptight over something, we're worried about something, then we pray about it. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now that word keep, it suggests that you have a guard standing beside you, protecting you. Let's put all of this in, in focus now. When we're worried, let's pray about it. And when we pray about it, we're going and turn it over to God. You've got to turn it over to God. I made up my mind many years ago that I wasn't going to stay up at night walking the floors because I was worried about something that was going on that over which I had no control. Well, God's going to be up anyway. Why not just let God take care of it? Why don't you cast all of your care on Him because He cares for you, 1 Peter 5, 7. And so we pray about it. And then the peace of God. Now verse 9 says, the God calls him the God of peace. And the God of peace will give you the, 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 the peace of mind. And the peace of mind that passes all understanding. A lot of people won't understand how you can be, live like you do with all this going on in your life. Have you ever seen someone that was having all kinds of trouble in their life and yet they're Christian? And it just seems like all that trouble just rolls off their back. It doesn't bother them at all. I can tell you that person, the reason they can do that is they turn it over to God. And when we turn all of our troubles over to Him, then we're going to be able to live a better life. Faith in God will help us win the victory over worry. And when we worry about things, that's indicative 
of our little faith. Our little faith. I'm not going to worry about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to wear. You know why? Because God, if God will clothe, clothe, uh, feed the birds of the field that, uh, that don't sow, they don't gather, they don't uh, gather into barns, and he feeds those, and I'm, I think I'm better than that little bird. God's going to take care of me. And you think about the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And he said, yet I say unto you, even Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow was cast into the oven, that is for fuel, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith? Let's just have faith in God. And you can just take this old thing called worry and put it aside. Maybe we need a tree like one man I heard about. He called it his trouble tree. He invited a friend to come home with him one night for supper. They were co-workers. When this man got to a certain tree in his yard, he stopped at that tree, and it looked like he was taking something off from around his neck and hanging it on that tree. He had nothing in his hand, but he went through that motion with both of his hands like he was hanging something on that tree. And his friend asked him, says, what are you doing? He said, this is my trouble tree. He says, you know, at work, and, and you know what I'm talking about. We, we deal with a lot of things. We have a lot of issues to come up, a lot of problems. And so when I get home, I just take all those burdens that I've got, and I hang them on my trouble tree. And the next morning when I get up to go to work, I go to the tree and I put them back on my shoulders and take them back to work with me. Maybe we need a trouble tree. I want to thank you for watching today to polish in the pulpit. And if you will, bow with me now for a brief word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for every soul that's watching right now. Bless them, God. And help us to grow in our faith for you, Lord, and to trust you more in these very troubled times in which we live. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you, God, for all the blessings that you bestow upon us from day to day. And we ask this in the precious name of Christ, and amen. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God you can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.